This is the Author Archive podcast. I'm David Freeman, talking today to Geraldine McGorkran. Now, when she published The Kite Rider, which is now acknowledged as a classic, which has been republished on numerous occasions, it won the Blue Peter Award, the Smarties Award, uh, and also shortlisted for the Carnegie Medal. So, bit of a winner, really. Uh, they, they tell children in schools, write about what you know about, but uh, I tell them, write about what you'd like to know about, because it's much more fun. But you can't write about what you kind of don't know about, because it, it would feel wrong. The thing about this is, uh, and it's won prizes for feeling right. Well, I did do a lot of research, it's true, um, and I got a lot of it wrong. So uh, you need a good editor as well when you're doing historical <laughs> historical fiction. But um, I, don't, I don't know. Readers can't find you wrong, can they? They can't find your mistakes if you're writing about 13th century China because um, they weren't there either. So so long as it sounds plausible to you, that's, that's just fine. When you were in the sixth form at school and you went to the careers master or mistress and said, this is what I want to do, what did you say? What were you going to be? I was going to be a secretary. I was a secretary. I mean, I did all kinds of jobs very badly um, during my career, because it never, never occurred to me that anybody could actually earn a living by writing books. It's far too much fun, kind of immoral, you know, like being a snooker player or a professional footballer or something. No one should earn money by having that much fun. Oh dear, someone's injected you with unseemly amounts of guilt then. Oh yes, Protestant work ethic, that's right. Go out and do something that's hard work. <laughs> so were you a good secretary? No, I was a terrible secretary. I was terrible at everything I set my hand to, except I'm reasonable, I think, at writing stories. No, you're superb at writing <laughs> stories, that's the point. But when did a day dawn when you thought, heck, you know, I don't have to work for somebody else, I can work for me, I can let my imagination fly, let it fly on the kite, let it go. Was there a day? Was there a sex? I think there was more of a day when I thought, I can't go on inflicting my incompetence on anybody any longer. I think I'd better go away and do something I'm good at. <laughs> so are you now, do you bring discipline to your working day? You know, yes, when you're writing that's a problem. That's not a problem, is fi finding the time. The, the problem is finding a time to be a decent wife and mother. Because I don't have any problem finding time to write. So that's the treat every day, is it? Yes. Wanting to slink away. Yes. And do you bolt the doors? Do you, do you, do you just become sort of in, the, in your nun's cell? Well, I'd like to, but uh, it, no, that's not very practical. Because this, in order to pull off 13th century China, you've got to build a, a virtual world in your head that you can then go back to, haven't you? Yes, you have an indie novel, you build a virtual world. So do you find it easy to go from the real world of going to Sainsbury's and going back? Highly desirable. Is it? Yes, the past is the best, best place to go when you're writing a book because it's, it's the ultimate holiday resort. It's the one place that no travel agent can take you. Only your imagination can. Is it therapeutic too? Yes, very therapeutic. People had a miserable time back then as well. You think how fortunate you are to have been born in the 20th century. When you say that, what are you thinking of? Oh, early death, disease, poverty. Um, the fact that they used to tie people to hatch covers and fly them in the sky in China. 
It's not a, not a kind thing to do to people. And they did that? Yes, they did it. Marco Polo saw it. It was the first time that a man from the West had seen uh, a kite, uh, or anything like a kite. And it's, this was a... Um, it was a superstitious ritual that a boat went, a ship went through before it set sail. Was to take a member of the crew, lash them to a hatch cover, and fly them over the ship. And if it flew straight up, then that was lucky, as propitious. But if it flew out to one side, then uh, you know you were in for pirates and shipwreck and death and disaster, and nobody would put their cargo on that ship. But it was a bit hard on the, the chap that was lashed to the the kite. So this is where I got the idea for kite rider. So were you reading, I mean, did, when you're sitting, um, thinking what are you going to write about, uh, do you have hi loads of history books, do you have that kind of stuff? Were you reading about Marco Polo or something? No, I was thinking about kites. I was thinking about, I'd heard about um, man-lifting kites, um, which happened, which were built in Japan. Um, and I thought, yes, I'd like to do something about man-lifting kites. Uh, so I tried to read up all round it, and, and it, as soon as you start reading about kites, you keep coming across Marco Polo, because <laughs> he's, he was the first one to see it. So all the books start off with Marco Polo, and I thought, oh, well, that's all right, I'll start off with Marco Polo as well. And which of the first characters you invented when you were putting the kite rider together? Well, there's the little, uh, little boy, obviously, and then I, knowing that it was set in the time of Kublai Khan, I read up on Kublai Khan, and the moment you start doing historical research, a book um, puts itself together because such fantastic and improbable things happened in the past that um, you, you, invention couldn't possibly be as good as the real thing. Give me, give me a for instance. Well, Kublai Khan was, was, was actually quite a good thing in comparison with Genghis, who went around just cutting people's heads off and impaling them on trees. Um, uh, Kublai Khan was actually quite a civilised chap. Um, I mean, he used to carry this, drive this cartload of earth around, um, full of earth from his motherland, from off the steps where he came from, so that he could make his prayers towards a piece of motherland, you see. Um, so I thought, yes, I can, I can put that into the story, have the little boy crash land on this cart full of earth. And um, his undoing, Kublai Khan's undoing, was this tremendous typhoon which wiped out his invasion plans for Japan. 15,000 people were drowned overnight um, going, trying to invade Japan. And this typhoon, this, this kamikaze, this divine wind, destroyed this fleet entirely and uh, it was the end of Kublai Khan's expansionist policy um, and, uh, and you've got a kite at the beginning of a book and you're working towards a typhoon you can't go wrong can you you're going to have a kite in it sooner or later the climax of my book is going to be the, a kite in a typhoon just give me a flavor of what happens in the middle give me a give me a flavor of where the kite rider flies it's a journey book, so this little boy, although he started off flying a kite just in order to, or for very complex reasons, stop his mother being forced into marriage, um, he then joins a circus, uh, and the circus is bound for the court, for the summer palace, um, Xanadu, the summer palace of Kublai Khan, so it's travelling upriver, and on its way they put on various performances. This little boy, how you, has seen his father die in the uh, wind in the wind testing, you know, lashed to this hatch cover. So he firmly believes that his father's spirit is up there in the sky, and that if he goes up there, he's going to get a chance to 
speak to his father again. So he has two motives for going up. He wants to find his father's spirit and speak to it. And he also, having been up there, he's addicted to the fear and the, the ecstatic joy of riding up at the top of the sky. You must have had a go at hang gliding or something. Now I'm terrified of heights. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Actually, people are very, very frightened of heights. Find the first page um, very difficult. Um, they can't... A, a, a couple of teachers have said to me, it's just too scary, uh, this wind testing thing. But, clear, but clearly, no, it's because they've got a fear of heights themselves. Vertiginous fiction. Vertiginous fiction, yes. Oh, lovely, I should coin that. <laughs> so be sure to wear a safety harness, or at least a parachute, when you start The Kite Rider by Geraldine McCorcoran. Congratulations, Geraldine. Thank you.